that was a blessing just to see you young men singing tonight. That was wonderful. It really was. Well done tonight. Well, I want you to go right back to where we were this morning, if you would, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And I want to encourage you a little bit this evening, and I mean that. I think that's what this will be. Just want to encourage you some in the Lord. And uh, I was in my personal devotions uh, the other day, and I was just reading. Uh, I've been sort of camping out in 2 Chronicles a little bit. And as I was reading what's really a very familiar passage of Scripture, God just brought a, a thought out to my mind. And I made a note there, and sure enough, God began to develop a message in my heart. And so uh, look, if you will, at Second Chronicles chapter 7. And when you find your place, if you're able to stand with us, if you'll stand tonight, Second Chronicles chapter 7, and, uh, and we're going to start in verse number, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. And as we mentioned last week in the service, someone has said that that offering in verse 5, the offering that Solomon made, was somewhere almost $10 million, $9.5 million if you, if you estimated it out today. But I want you to notice, and we thank God for the sacrifice that Solomon made, but I want you to notice verse 6. The Bible says, And the priests waited on their offices, the Levites also, with instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord because his mercy endureth forever. When David praised by their ministry and the priest sounded trumpets before them and all Israel stood. Moreover, Solomon hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the peace offerings or the burnt offerings and the meat offerings and the fat. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 6. That's why I want to camp out just a little bit tonight. Verse 6. The Bible says, And the priests waited on their offices. And then the Bible says, The Levites also. And I started to just make that my title tonight. The Levites also. But I'm calling this the ministry of the Levites. And so you may be seated tonight. And we're not going to be, this won't be a lengthy message this evening, but I hope you'll really give us a good, a good hearing tonight, and I hope it'll encourage you a little bit in the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, thank you for this uh, good day that you've given us at Calvary, and we just appreciate the good spirit, appreciate your Holy Spirit, and God, we thank you for the good spirit of, of peace and the bond of unity that you've given us at Calvary. And Heavenly Father, I pray that that will remain here until the Lord returns and uh, Lord, now as we take just a few moments 
to once again dive back into your word. Now, Lord, this will be the last time for several days that we'll be together. And most are going to be going back out into their secular jobs tomorrow and others to school, some to public schools. And, Lord, we need a touch tonight. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd help us. Lord, clear the, clear the way. Lord, the best I know how, I plead the blood of Jesus over the service and over this people and over this preacher and over the, this place. And, God, I pray that you'd not allow the powers of darkness to try to, uh, Lord, uh, this morning, wonderful service this morning, but, God, it was evident that the devil was doing his best to try to, to, try to defeat and distract. And so, Lord, uh, Lord, I, 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 Lord I, just, I rebuke him in Jesus' name. And I pray that you'd keep him out. And I pray that you'd keep your blessings in. And just uh, teach us the truth tonight, please. We love you and praise you. May Jesus receive the glory. In his name we pray. And for his sake we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, I want you to notice tonight here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, that this was, without a shadow of a doubt, a great service. I mean, it was a great service. You'll notice in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the, and the sacrifices. Notice this. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And by the way, church, there's a difference in having something and something being filled. And the Bible says there that the house of God was filled. The glory of the Lord filled the house. In fact, it got, it got so glorious and they got so in the glory that in verse number two, the Bible says that the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Man, they couldn't even minister anymore. I mean, the, the presence of God was so real. And uh, you know what? They just, had to, they just had to call a timeout, just had to resign for a little bit and just uh, until the glory of the Lord was able to, to clear just a little bit. And so this was a great, great service. But my thought tonight is this. But this service would have seriously lacked, in my opinion, had it not been for the Levites and their ministry. Now, it was necessary that the priests carry out their office. You'll notice in verse number six, the Bible says in the priest, now King Solomon offered a sacrifice, but the Bible says in verse six, and the priests waited on their offices, and so it was necessary that the priests do what God had called them to do, and uh, not everybody was, uh, uh, was able to carry out the office of the priest. I can't help but think about that, uh, that story of King Saul, and King Saul got, uh, got a little impatient, and King Saul was, was, of course, the king. king uh, Saul was the king, of course. But he wanted to, uh, you know, he wanted to carry out the office of the priest. And so he got involved in some of the priestly work. But the Bible tells us that God rebuked Saul for that because uh, Saul had no business going where God had not called him to be. And so it was very necessary that the priest carry out their office. Not just anyone can be involved in the priesthood, but it was needful that the Levites add to the service. And if they had failed to do this, I believe that this great service we read of in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 would have seriously lacked. Now I want you to think with me tonight, church. I wonder tonight how Calvary Baptist Church is going to lack if people fail to see the importance of their contribution. Now the Levites were not priests. 
The Levites were not the king, but the Levites' ministry was so important. In fact, you'll notice there in uh, verse number six, and the priests waited on their offices. And then the Bible says, the Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord because his mercy endureth forever. When David praised by their ministry and the priests sounded trumpets before them and all Israel stood. Now we'd have a good service if we just came here and got the word tonight. We'd have a good service. But I'm gonna be honest with you. When we come to the church and we have this great music that we've enjoyed today, how many know this? It adds so much to the service. And somebody said you can't build a church on music, but you know what? It's hard to build one without good music. And so uh, this service would have seriously lacked had it not been for the contribution uh, of the Levites. And may I say tonight that this service and this church will also seriously lack if you fail to see the importance of your contribution. Now let me tell you why I'm preaching this tonight. Because the devil's a liar. Do you know that? And the devil will come to you and the devil will say, you know what, you don't mean anything and you're not very important and you're not very significant and what you're doing in the church really doesn't matter. You're not the pastor or you're not the deacon or you're not the youth pastor and you see what you're doing in the church really doesn't amount to a hill of beans. That's what my daddy used to say. But the truth of the matter is the devil's a no, dirt, a no good a dirty liar and he never tells the truth and he'll try to get you to underestimate what you're doing in the church. And so I want to point out tonight, if I could, just three things about the Levites, and I believe these will be a blessing to you. How about this? Number one, we notice that the Levites were singled out because of their stand. Now I want you to take your Bibles tonight and hold your place at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and I want you to turn with me, if you will, to uh, Exodus chapter 32 tonight. Exodus chapter 32 and look, if you will, at verse number 26 this evening. Exodus chapter 32 and verse number 26. And we notice here that the Levites were, were really chosen by God himself. We notice in verse number 26, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who was on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And so Moses has come down off the mountain. You remember the story? And the children of Israel have given themselves over to, uh, themselves over to idolatry. They've made a molten calf. And the Bible says they, uh, they're involved in this idolatrous worship. Moses comes down off the mountain. He sees what's going on. And, uh, and he, he says, uh, let him come unto me. Then he says, and all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. And we notice here, Calvary, that God chose this tribe because of their zeal for God, their zeal for God and their stand for the Lord. And may I say tonight, would it be great 
if God would give us some workers at Calvary Baptist Church who would decide in 2019 that you're going to take a stand for the Lord and be zealous for the cause of Jesus Christ. You know, we've got a bunch, uh, enough namby-pamby Christians and half in, half out and, and to straddling the fence. And wouldn't it be God, if, it, wouldn't it be great if God decided to give us some uh, Christians at Calvary who'd say, preacher, I'm all in. I'm just going to jump in. I mean, I'm just going to launch out into the deep and I want God to use me and I want God to do something great with my life and just get zealous for the cause of Christ. We're living in a day when people who get zealous about unimportant things are considered fans. But those who get fired up about Jesus are considered fanatics. And that's so true, it really is. You think about it tonight, think about it tonight. Now the Panthers didn't do good this year. And, uh, but you know what, All of this happens all the time. If you go down to Charlotte, North Carolina and go to the game, some of you have, you know what, it's nothing to go down there in 40 degree weather and some guy has pulled off his shirt. He's painted half blue and half gray. He's got some kind of a weird wig on and he's got a big number one on his, on his hand and he's waving that, uh, you know, that crazy sign. He's got some, uh, some kind of a crazy, you know, banner that he's, that he's uh, uh, waving up there trying to get on the camera. And people look at that and they say, you know what? That guy's a fan. Man, he's a fan of the Charlotte Panthers. He's a fan of the Carolina Panthers. I, I thought about this. The lowest Super Bowl seat this year sold for $2,350. The lowest seat. $2,350 and went all the way up to $22,000 a seat. Now it'll be, it'll be it'll, it'll, listen, it'll be a cold day where the booger man lives for I paid $22,000 for a football seat. And, uh, but wait a minute now, wait a minute now, but yet there are people all over America who will willingly pay that kind of money and you know what, you know what they'll say? That person is a fan. If you sit under the hot sun for hours at a time watching stock cars go round and round and round and round in a circle and I'm not against that, I'm not against it. I, although I will say this, it would be a lot more interesting if they take half and make them go this way and take the other half and make them go this way. Boy, that'd be something, wouldn't it? And yet, and, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure because this is Redneckville right here, I'm sure we've got some NASCAR fans here tonight and I'm not against that. I'm not against it, but I'm just saying this. Man, people will sit out in the hot sun, 90 degree weather, and they'll stay out there for hours watching race cars go around the track. And you know what they say about those folks? He's a fan. Man, he's such a fan of racing and NASCAR. How you can spend thousands of dollars on golf equipment. You can join the local country club and you're simply a fan. You can go out to Bass Pro and spend $50,000 on a boat. And by the way, that's easy to do nowadays. In fact, you can spend a whole lot more than $50,000, but $50,000 on a boat and another several thousand on fishing equipment. And you know what they say? He's a fan of fishing. But wait a minute now. But you let that same person invest $22,000 into the work of Christ, into the work of the church, and the same people will say, man, what a fanatic. Good night. That guy's a fanatic if I've ever seen one. You let somebody 
somebody get excited in a service and raise their hand and they don't have a question and just raise their hand or wave their hanky or get up and just get full and say, boy, God is good. And folks will look and say, man, what a fanatic, what a fanatic. I mean, whatever you do, don't go to Calvary Baptist Church. There are a bunch of holy rollers down there at Calvary. Well, thank God we try to be holy and our name's on the roll, amen. And you're gonna, well, there are a bunch of nuts down there, thank God, but we're screwed on to the right bolt, amen. And his name is Jesus Christ. Listen, uh, you, uh, you let somebody attend revival service for five days in a row and they're considered a fanatic. You let somebody get some standards and, and try to start changing their life and their language and their appearance and they're considered a fanatic. Listen, you call me what you want to call me, but I'm telling you, my Savior is worth it tonight. Oh, yes. And if you're here tonight and you're one of the fanatics, I just want to tell you something. You're keeping good company. Because they called Paul a fanatic. In fact, I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn over to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. And look, if you will, at verse number 22. This is one of my favorite stories. And Paul is speaking before Festus. And they give him, they give him liberty to speak. And notice, if you will, the story, Acts chapter 26 and verse number 22. Paul, man, is going at it. He says, having therefore obtained help of God, Paul said, I continue unto this day witnessing both to the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Look at verse 24. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice. Now, you, we've all got our opinions, but somebody says, Preacher, why did Festus had to speak up with a loud voice. I believe because Paul was being loud. And I believe Paul was, I, I believe Paul just got in the glory. And Paul is remembering back that Damascus Road experience and he's remembering how good it is to be saved. And Paul says, oh, let me tell you how good God is. And let me tell you how good it is to be saved. And boy, he began to testify and begin to preach. And Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. He said, Paul, you're crazy. You are a fanatic. You're crazy. Now, if you're here tonight and you're in the fanatic club, you're in a good club, amen. You're right in there with the apostle Paul. I want you to take your Bibles, turn back just a few pages to Acts chapter 17. And you know what? When other people got involved with Paul, they got in the fanatic club. And we notice here that not only Paul was labeled as a fanatic, but we notice that Paul and Silas were labeled as fanatics. Look, if you will, at Acts chapter 17 and verse number six, boy, Paul and Silas come to Thessalonica. And brother, you talk about things getting stirred up. I mean, it got stirred up. And notice what it says in Acts 17, verse 6. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city crying. And they're talking about Paul and Silas here. They said, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. 
He said, we can't get rid of these fanatics. I mean, everywhere we go, they're, they're coming around. He said, man, I mean, they're literally turning the world upside down. Man, you know what? Wouldn't it be a happy day if this community said about Calvary Baptist Church, man, that church down there is turning this community upside down. I mean, everywhere you go, they're talking about Jesus. Everywhere you go, they're giving out gospel tracts. Everywhere you go, they're inviting folks to come. I mean, I don't know what's wrong with those folks. They act like they're so excited about their church and their Lord. I mean, they just act like they're beside themselves. I want to tell you what, buddy. If you're in the fanatic crowd, you're in a good crowd tonight. I want to show you the prime example. I want you to take your Bibles tonight, please, if you will. And I want you to turn to John chapter 2, the gospel of John. In chapter number 2, not only was Paul considered a fanatic, and Paul and Silas were considered fanatics, but I want you to look at verse number 13. John chapter 2, verse 13. And the Bible says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. Now, this is talking about Jesus, church. The Bible says, And when he had made a scourge of small cords, that's a whip, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables <laughs> and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, get out of here. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. Now, wait a minute now. This world tries to portray Jesus as, you know, he's just, everywhere he walks around, he's like, he's like one of the archbishops, you know. Ominos, dominoes, ominoes. And uh, that's what Jesus was like. It's not what my Bible says. Bible says he came into the temple, but they had made it in, into a, a money market. And the Bible says that Jesus made him a whip and started running him out of the temple and turning over the money and turning over the tables and telling him to get out of the house of God. You've made it a house of thieves, and this is a house of prayer. And, and, the, and the disciples were watching. Man, I believe their eyes were as big as saucers, and they were watching. And wait a minute now, and look what the Bible says in verse number 17. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Brother, you know what they said? Oh, yeah, that's right. Man, this guy's zealous. I mean, he's, he's zealous about the work of his heavenly Father. Oh, listen, church, what did we do in 2019? Let's go, don't get dead. Let's don't get dry. Let's don't back up. I'm telling you, buddy, ever forward, never backward. It ain't time to stop. It's not time to stop you so well. A pastor of the church was full this morning and it was full last Sunday and it was full the Sunday before that. Brother, it ain't time to stop. It ain't time to let up. Listen, it's time to go forward and conquer for the cause of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. We notice the Levites were chosen because of their stand. How about this number two? we notice that the Levites provided a vital service. Now think with me tonight. The Levites, we often hear about the priests. We often hear about the high priest. We often hear about the king. Sometimes we hear about the prophets. But the Levites, the Levites. Will you say, Pastor, what was so important about the Levites? Well, for one thing, the Levites were the protectors of the tabernacle. 
the Levites were responsible for carrying the articles of the tabernacle from place to place. Back when God originally set up the institution of the tabernacle, they would move it from place to place. And the Levites were responsible for, uh, for, uh, for carrying those articles from place to place, the tent covering, the poles, the candlestick, the laver, the table of showbread, and, of course, the ark of the covenant. And so they were responsible for, for moving these things very carefully. Now, here's my point. Did you know that a single priest could not do that by himself? There's no way. Just the Ark of the Covenant itself weighed, weighed probably, there's no telling how much it weighed. Uh, and all the articles and all the poles and all the coverings and all the, everything that they had to move. There's no way that one priest could have handled that job. Now, church, I said that to say this. Did you know there's no way that a pastor can carry all the work of the local church? Physically speaking. Now, I'll do my best. But physically speaking, there's no way I can do it. I can't be all those places that we need to be at the same time. But thank God for those Levites who every Sunday morning show up at Olin Village and go down and start visiting from room to room and start pushing those wheelchairs down to that chapel area. Now, wait a minute now. Uh, Pastor can't be all those places at one time, but thank God we have some Levites that are doing the work of the Lord. And they're ministering to those uh, dear, aged people that can't uh, physically, they can't get out and come here. But thank God we can go to them. And, uh, and we've got Levites that are ministering down in the nursing home. We've got Levites that go to the, the, the prisons and the jails and, and, and uh, minister to those inmates in the jail systems. We have Levites that are teaching Sunday school classes and Levites that are working in the youth ministry and Levites that are serving as child evangelism. And I thought about this. We have Levites that are involved in the gift of giving. Man, we're getting ready to build this new building over here. There's no way I can, there's no way I can do that by myself. Do you know that? It's got to be a collective effort, don't it? But if everybody will say, man, I'm going to get involved. Man, I want to do something. I want to be counted for the cause of Christ. Thank God for those Levites that are involved in the gift of giving. Thank God for those church members that are involved in the ministry of soul winning. Thank God for those, uh, those church members that are involved in singing in the choir and those that are, uh, that are involved in serving as ushers. And, and so we notice here that the Levites provided a vital service. Let me give you this last point. I want you to hear me out. Number three, we notice the Levites were strategically scattered. Now, this is interesting. The Levites were scattered throughout the kingdom to help keep an emphasis on God and spiritual things. One scholar said it like this. Let me just read this for you. He said, As being wholly consecrated to the service of the Lord, they had no territorial possessions. Jehovah was their inheritance. And for their support, it was obtained ordained that they should receive from the other tribes the tithes of the produce of the land. Forty-eight cities also were assigned to them, 13 of which were for the priests to dwell in, along with other inhabitants. Along with their dwellings, they had suburbs or commons for their herds and flocks. 
and also fields and vineyards. Numbers 35, verse 2. Now listen to this. Nine of these cities were in Judah. These were cities that were ordained for the Levites. Nine of these cities were in Judah. Three were in Naphtali, and four in each of the other tribes. Six of the Levitical cities were set apart as cities of refuge. Thus, the Levites were scattered among the tribes to keep alive among them the knowledge and service of God. Did you know that God has placed you here in this church for a reason? Did you know that God just didn't bring you here for no reason at all? God has placed you here at Calvary to keep alive the knowledge of God. Now think about this. Did you know that some of you, God has strategically placed you in your families to keep alive the knowledge of God? Some of you have family members that are lost. Some of you have family members that never go to church. Some of you, uh, of you have family members. When you get together for a big family event and you, uh, you say, all right, let's all get together. Let's, let's say the blessing. It, you know what? They're not accustomed to that. It's, it's, it's odd for them. Did you know that God has placed some of you in your families to keep alive the knowledge of God? I thought about this. Do you know why God has placed Brother Brandon and Miss Mandy and all of our youth workers among our young people? Accident? Oh, no. He's placed them there to keep alive the knowledge of God. Do you know why uh, God has burdened the heart of Brother Justin and others of you that go and serve in our jails and preach in our jails and minister to the jail minister, uh, the, the, the jail uh, inmates? You know why? Because God has ordained you to keep alive the knowledge of God. You know why God has put Miss Tammy behind the piano and Miss Gay over here on the keyboard and, and Miss Angie and Miss Mandy and Brother Michael and Brother Titus and Miss Sarah and Miss Haley and probably a dozen others. Did you know why God has given you a gift tonight so you could show off? Oh, no. Not so you could get up here and perform. Not so you can get up here and show off your great talent. Oh, no. God has given you a gift because God wants you to keep alive the knowledge of God. And that's what you're doing when you come here and you play these instruments and we sing these great songs of Zion. You know what? And, and, and some walk in and have never heard, that, never heard these songs. You're keeping alive the knowledge of God. Uh, why has God given us these folks that sing on a faithful basis and practice? He's done that to keep alive the knowledge of God. Why has God given us teachers and deacons? And uh, why has God given us folks like Brother Jerry and, and these faithful junior church workers that, that serve in the junior church and the child ministry. Why? Uh, God wants us to, to keep the knowledge of God alive among this community and in this church. Without Levites in their places. Now think about this. It's possible but the knowledge of God may be forgotten. Why? I mentioned this in Sunday school I believe this morning. Why would our appraiser say Pastor I went to a church for 30 years never heard salvation preached on one time. Never heard salvation preached on one time in 30 years and did get born again until I left that church and went to a Bible-believing church. Why? I'll tell you why. Because somewhere along the line, the knowledge of God was forgotten. 
And we've got to have some people at Calvary Baptist Church who say, you know what? My contribution may not seem like much to others, but I'm going to dedicate it to God. And I'm going to let God use my, it may seem small, but I'm going to let God use what I can do for the cause of Christ. You say, Pastor, all I do is stand in the back and shake hands. That's not big. Are you kidding? That's huge. Did you know they, they tell us? I don't know how that's going to be true. But they tell us right around the first seven seconds people are deciding if they'll ever come back to church or not. In the first seven seconds. That means long before I preach, they're already making their conclusions if they're ever going to come back. And so that means those folks standing at the door back there or out there in the parking lot or those church members that are just saying, Preacher, I just, I just want to be nice to folks. And hey, good to see you. God bless. I'm so glad you're here today. You, listen, did you know that that contribution is huge? I thought about this several years ago. My wife got, she got sick. Not, not like deathly ill, but she just got sick. It was right around Thanksgiving time. And we love Thanksgiving time. <laughs> but she couldn't eat anything. She was just nauseated, so nauseated, so sick. And she said, honey, I just, I just feel terrible. And so we thought maybe she had the flu or something. But it went on and on and, and it wouldn't go away. And so, I mean, it went on for weeks. And so we were right there in the holiday season. And so finally, after we got past Thanksgiving, I said, listen, you're going to the doctor." We took her to the doctor and come to find out, long story short, her gallbladder quit working. Now, I don't know if you know much about the body, much about the gallbladder, but the gallbladder is very small. It's not a very large organ at all in your body. It's very small. But how many know this, that one small member of the body that stops contributing can affect the whole body? Several years ago, and I've, I've told some, I've given some people testimony about this. When I, uh, when I first got, to, when I was a teenager, especially when I was a teenager, I had a terrible temper, horrible temper. When I got married, I had to start working on that. And uh, but I remember one time, Daddy had an old lawnmower. That's all he ever bought was old lawnmowers. I mean, just they wouldn't half run. And now I move out. He's got. John Deere zero turns I mean you know I don't think I mean dad where was all this when I was living there but anyway and so we had this old lawnmower and, that, and, I, and he told me he said now son I want you to mow the yard before you go to work I want you to mow the yard mow the yard son before you go to work mow the yard mow the yard I said yes sir dad okay I'll get it done well man I went there trying to crank that thing and I could not get that lawnmower cranked and I, I was pulling I mean, you know and, and my blood pressure was getting high and I was just and I was getting madder and madder and madder and all of a sudden man I just reared I shouldn't have done it I was stupid it was stupid but I just reared off and I said you you stupid and man I kicked that lawnmower now, you know what? It didn't hurt the lawnmower a bit. It didn't even say ouch. But when I kicked that lawnmower, I broke my big toe. And there's something I didn't realize. Although you don't see that big toe very much, that big toe is very important. It's important to how you walk, and it's important to your balance. One small member of the body. We're done. Satan comes and says... What you're doing is not amounting to anything. Let me tell you something. The priest needed to do their job. The king needed to do his job. But had the Levites 
not provided their contribution, that service would have seriously lacked. Now, what is it tonight that God's called you to do? Shake a hand? Help in a nursery? Run a vacuum cleaner? Work on a Sunday school bus? I mean, it could be dozens of things. May I just say tonight, thank you for being a Levite. And your contribution is vital. It is crucial to this work moving forward for the glory of God. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you so much for letting us be here tonight. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would just fill this church with people who say, Lord, I'll, I'll, whatever you want me to do, God, I'll, I'll give it. I'll dedicate it to you. A handshake, greeting at a door, helping out with the babies. Lord, helping out in the youth department. Maybe ministering at a, at a jail. Lord, I can't preach, but Lord, I can, I can shake the hands of the inmates that come in. I could lead the music. Uh, I could pass out Bibles. Uh, Lord, I could, I could sing in the choir. Uh, Lord, I, I know how to play an instrument. I could play an instrument. I could help out in a Sunday school. Uh, I, Lord, I know, how to, I know how to vacuum the carpet. I could vacuum the carpet. That could be my ministry. Lord, there's, there's something that everybody can do for the cause of Christ. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you'll help us to realize that our contribution is so crucial. I pray that you'll bless in this invitation and speak to hearts, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's all stand tonight, if you will, please. Miss Gay's going to play. If you need to come, the altar's open tonight. If you need to be saved, oh, listen, I want you to come. I want you to come. God's dealing with your heart. It could be that you need to rededicate your life to Christ tonight. Won't you do that this evening? Man, just a fresh commitment, recommitment to the Lord. Maybe it's about being baptized. Maybe a public profession of faith. You just got saved and you need to make it public. Maybe church membership. It could be a lot of things. Maybe tonight you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know what God could use me to do, but I know this. I want God to use me. Preacher, would you just pray with me that, that God would somehow just give me a job and use me for His glory? We're going to pause just for a moment. If you need to, need to use the altar, it's open. You come tonight while we wait.